And now listen, now as it turns out, we're in this promised land series and some of you have read the Bible before, you know, hey, wow, Jericho fell. But the next story is all about a dad who fails miserably. This guy named Achan. No, Achan is not just how you feel when you get out of bed in the morning. Now, I, w I will tell you that, you know, when I, when I hear the, the name Achan, I can't help but think of the second letter of the alphabet, which the sound Achan gives the second letter of the alphabet purpose in life. Bacon. And you were there. You were almost there. I know you were playing connect the dots. All right. I'm just checking to see if you're awake this morning. Uh, but, you know, here's this moment where there is this epic failure in a father. But I want to I tell you today and share with you a sermon that doesn't only examine the failure, but actually says, hey, how do I enter into the future that you have for me? God, how do I enter in as a father? And by the way, these principles work for moms. These principles work for sons and daughters. These principles, this one principle, by the way, will work for you. Well, let's take a glance at Joshua chapter 7. If, you have, if you're following along on the Bible app, you can do it there. There's a live event. All the notes are there uh, for you. We're going to begin with Joshua 7, 1. It says this, but the children of Israel committed trespass right after Jericho, right after the greatest victory regarding the accursed things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now, this was the story where uh, they, they've examined the next village. It's called Ai. And, and literally, these, the, the Amorites, it's just a small village. And then when, they, when they, they scope it out, they're like, don't even bother sending the whole army. We would just totally overwhelm them. Just send a small group to go and take them. We're going we're gonna to just take them no problem. They didn't realize that there was sin in the camp, that, that, that somebody had welcomed in a, a curse into Israel. Now, so they go, and that day on the battlefield, 36 men lose their life. And the men, the fighting men of Israel, come back and defeated. And Joshua can't even believe it. He cannot believe it. Matter of fact, he's so distraught, he does what he, what he had seen his spiritual father do, and that is, I'm going into the tent of meeting. i got to go meet with God and get answers. If 36 of your men had just died, you would do the same thing. So there he is, he's crying out to God, feeling really bad about himself, and then God speaks these powerful words in Joshua 7, verses 10 through 13. It says, so the Lord said to Joshua, get up, almost as if to say, stop whining. You're anointed to fix this. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I have commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. 
Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before the enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore, unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there's an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. You say, well, what was the accursed thing? The accursed thing was that Achan had actually stolen these, these uh, Babylonian, uh, these garments, right? He stole these garments, and then there was this silver and this gold. And by the way, just to prevent any fathers in here from committing the sin of Achan and desiring a Babylonian uh, uh, garment, we have supplied to you redeemed socks outside. (laughs) So all different kinds, you know. I chose Dr. Seuss when, when our cartoons still had Jesus. All right. So, uh, pick up your garment totally, totally for free. Don't worry about it. You've already paid for them. All right. (laughs) So here's the sin. And now Achan has, has taken these things for himself, but I, I want you to know today, fathers, there is much more to this story than just a failure to avoid. But there is, within this story, a future to fulfill. The title of this message is called More Than a Name. More Than a Name. Okay, how do we fulfill? Now, I love this. On Father's Day, here's the thing. You know, most most days, most Sundays, I'll, I'll have three points. Sometimes two when I'm just trying to mess with you a little bit. But today on Father's Day, just for dads, one point. All right? One point. That's why, Why? because uh, women, and you need to know this, we don't need a list, we need one thing. We're going to focus on that one thing, and then we're going to do that thing, and by the way, if you talk to us while we're doing that one thing, our ears don't work. <laughs> if the TV is on, and you tell us something meaningful, if it doesn't get done, that's your fault. That's your fault. One thing. So one point today, one point, (laughs) one point, here it is, how do you fulfill your destiny as a father, a daughter, a mom, a son, or a daughter, here it is, really deep, you get it, put God first. The lesson of all of Joshua 7, of this whole thing, if you want to, if you want to check out the rest of the service, you can. Here it is. Put God first. Now, if you legitimately let those words land on your heart and you go and do them, you will live in the destiny God has created for you. But Achan made the mistake of putting himself first, and he brought a curse on his life. And a curse on Israel. And, listen to me, on his family. And there is a big reason. I think there is a huge reason why Achan was judged so severely and immediately. Now, when I tell you to put God first, this message is all throughout the Bible, but I want to take you back one chapter 
this great chapter that we were celebrating last week, marching around the walls, right? Doing it God's way. We're get, we got the message, God. We're not going to question why we have to walk around in silence. We just know that when we walk around for six days, and on the seventh day, we walk around the city seven times with the blasting of the shofar, and we lift up a shout that the walls will come down. Radical obedience is what releases victory. We understand that. But we leave a moment of radical obedience. Achan gets puffed up. He, gets, he, get, he, he then moves and shifts himself into center stage, and he takes some things for himself. Why did it matter? After all, this is the common practice that when an army would conquer a city, a portion would go to the gods in, in, false, you know, in false religions. A portion would go, but the spoils would be spread out over the nation, but not this one. Notice what God said in Joshua 6, 18 and 19. And you, by all means, listen to these words, abstain from the accursed things. Everybody say accursed. Lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. Listen to these words. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated. Everybody say consecrated. consecrated. To the Lord, they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Now, when, when they were given instruction about Jericho, God said this. Everything in Jericho is mine. Everything in Jericho. None of it is for you. All of it is mine. It will either be destroyed or dedicated. It'll be destroyed, get this in your heart, or dedicated. Why? Why was this one different than all the rest? If you follow, the, follow uh, out the scriptures, you read through the book of Joshua, you find it didn't work this way in the other cities. Why not? Because Jericho was first. And the first, listen to me, church, belongs to the Lord Notice those two words, I made you say them. One, accursed, and the other, consecrated. Do you know what the accursed things were in this scripture? It was silver, and gold, and bronze, and iron. That was accursed. Do you know what the consecrated things were? Silver, and gold, and bronze, and iron. It was the same stuff. What was the difference? What made it accursed or consecrated? It's accursed when it's in our hands. It's consecrated when it's in his. It's accursed when it's in our hands. When the first is in our hands. Listen to me carefully, church. You say, why are you talking to us about this? Because God is trying to teach us about promised land living. He is trying uh, to get across to us the most important principles to give to a people he wants to use in a powerful and I believe a historical way.
God wants to use you in power. But you can't do this in some kind of self-serving way. We have to do it God's way by, listen, putting him first. You say, well, okay. I don't, I don't want to be accursed. I want to I I live consecrated. I want to make sure that everything in, that belongs to him gets to him. Okay, how do I drive home this principle in my life? Well, first, go to God's top 10 list. You know God's top 10 list? Remember Moses went up the mountain and gave him a top 10 list. By the way, gentlemen, that top 10 on Sports Center, that's not an original idea. Goes all the way back to Sinai. God gives the top 10. But there in Exodus chapter 20, we find God says this in the very beginning. You shall have no other gods before me. No other gods. And so what does that mean to us? I belong in first place. I'm first. I desire to be first. And by the way, when you, when you hear that in language, you say, you'll have no other gods before me. He is not adding any validity to false gods. Because Isaiah 45 says, he says, I have been from the very beginning. I have looked all over the world and there is no God but me. No, not one. There is only one who sits on the throne and he says, I desire to be first if you're going to fulfill your destiny. Now this principle is all throughout the scriptures. In Exodus 13 Listen to these words, given, given years, decades before to Moses. This is the principle of the firstborn. Exodus 13, 11, And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites as he swore to you and your fathers. Where are they right now? In the land of the Canaanites. That's where we are at Joshua 7. When you're there, live by this principle. As he swore to you and your fathers and gives it to you, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that opens the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey, that means an unclean animal, uh, you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, you'll break its neck. And all of the firstborn among men, uh, among your sons, you shall redeem. So it shall be when your son asks you in a time to come, what is this? You will say, by the strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. This is telling us again, you are not saved and in God's kingdom because of your own strength. We are saved because God dried up the Jordan by his grace and we walked through because he made a way for us through Christ. That's what this says. By that strength, he brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, and it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go to what? Worship that the Lord killed, listen, all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. He says, the first belongs to me. When they would give birth to a clean animal, that animal, a male, would be offered to the Lord in worship. When their unclean animals would give birth, 
they would give a sacrifice to redeem those, showing us. By the way, that right there shows you something. That God was, was, had a plan to redeem the Gentiles all the way back in Exodus. Because he was showing us. No, no, no. They're important to me. And I'm going to redeem them with a lamb. Now, he goes on to say, all of your firstborn sons, they belong to the Lord. So what do you do? You redeem them. How many fathers and moms in here? You're, you're, you have more than one child. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Glory to God. Thank you for increase. Now I know who all my crazy people are. All right. We have five. There is something about the firstborn. Something about firstborns. Firstborns, man, they're just, they just come out and they're like natural leaders. Most of the presidents of the nation have been firstborns, by the way. They just come out and they're just different. They're like, yes. I mean, we know what to do. We know how to handle ourselves. And then you think, wow, we're the most amazing parents on the planet. Look what we did. So you decide, we're going to do this again. And the minute the second one comes out, I delivered four out of my five children. I promise you, when I was there and delivered Mackenzie, she came out, no crying, eyes open. I'm like, look. I was so enamored, I forgot she was attached. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> now, our second-born Emily, man. Some of y'all know Emily. Her name means industrious. Glory to God. She is, by the way, she's one of the funniest humans on the planet. She's so funny. But when she came out, she was crying and peeing everywhere. <laughs> no joke, no, no joke. And the first words I said was, this one's different. <laughs> now, listen to me. Parents, uh, uh, don't, don't give up on the secondborns because if you read the Bible and you find out how God used secondborns all throughout the Bible, it's radical. It's radical. There's a reason why God says, I'm the, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the secondborn. Glory to God. Anyways, that's a different message. It makes me happy. Because if God gets a hold of secondborns, they change the world. And so, what I want you to see is that the firstborns they mean something to God in your family. That there is something about dedicating them to the Lord and a mantle that comes on them. Why? They belong to God. They belong to you. Listen, Washington, D.C. said something stupid last week. That our children belong to them. They do not. Firstborns belong to God. And the second and the rest, we do our best. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They all belong to the Lord. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So here's the first. The firstborn belongs to God. 
Then there's first fruits. Exodus 22 says, you shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. What's he say? The first fruits. This is the fruit of the ground. This is the first fruit. You don't eat the first fruit. You give the first fruit. Why? First fruits belong to the Lord. By the way, I'm going to help some people in here. Who, who, Man, you started your Bible reading program and got really upset when you got to Cain and Abel because you didn't understand why God drew a line between them. I'm going to show you why right now from the scripture why God accepted one sacrifice and didn't accept the other. It has nothing to do with the difference between sheep and vegetables. Nothing. Look at this. Genesis 4.2 says, Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. Look at verse 3. and Look at these words. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance failed. God did not receive his offering because it wasn't first. It was over the process of time. That is why it wasn't a first fruits offering. And listen, God, that is right after the garden. They knew intuitively God wants to be first. If we're going to fulfill his call on our life, he wants to be first. You see this first example all throughout the scriptures, even into the prophets with Elijah in 1 uh, Kings 17. Remember, there's a drought in the land, and he comes to a widow woman who has just enough for her and her son to eat and die. And then he says the most offensive thing possible, especially in our entitled culture. Listen to these words. He says, and Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you said. She said, I'm going to make, some, make a few cakes, and we're going to eat it and die. He said, go and do as you have said. But make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. Afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. What did he say here? He said, when, when it comes to your faith, put God first. Since she put God first, she was supplied for when there was no supply. Listen to me, church. It's not offensive to tell someone with little to take their little and turn it into a seed when you understand when people put God first, he moves in their lives. He will move in your life when you put him first. You can't say, well, I put God first and I do everything except Sunday my way. No, we put God first. And by the way, just in case some of you theologians are looking at me square, you're like, oh, this is Old Testament. All right, let's just go to Sermon on the Mount. He's out of the, world, out of the mouth of Jesus, Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. What will be added? The, the garments that you were, you were longing for, Achan. The silver and the gold. How I'll feed you. How I'll clothe you. How I will take care of you. The principle of the first, it reveals that God is, is first. When, he, and he, when we put God first, he meets our spiritual need. He'll meet our emotional need. And he will meet our physical need. We need to get our faith attached to that. We know he meets our spiritual need. Why? Because we could have never helped ourselves. But we stopped short of believing that our God would meet our emotional needs. Young people, listen. If you're on TikTok and watching reels, I've seen well-meaning people Speaking to your generation that says, yeah, you can be saved, but as soon as it comes to your emotions and the church tells you to pray, run away from that church. I'm, he I'm here to tell you, the church that tells you to pray to help you to, for you to get help with your emotions is the church you want to go to. The one that says you run to God and, by the way, get counsel. And, by the way, look into God's word. And do what is ever necessary to get you thinking right about yourself and about your future. Listen, whatever you do, don't abandon God when it comes to your emotional health. What do we learn? Well, he, when we put God first, he meets our spiritual, emotional, and physical need. But we also learn when we put him first, our life becomes a platform to declare this. God is so good, he deserves to be first. He's so good, he deserves to be first. Now, the sermon title is titled More Than a Name. I had to show you the principle that would be working behind so that God can give you more than a name. Here's the issue. The central figure of today's story, his name is Achan. Achan means trouble. That's what Achan means. It means trouble or troubler. It means troubles. So here's a guy who all of his life, parents called him, trouble, come here. Not a good way to parent. Not a good way to parent. Don't do this to your kids. By the way, you speak over them what God is calling them to be, not just what you see them performing. You need to prophesy over them who they are called to be rather than just right where they are. You call them into that future and the hope that you know God has for them. His name means troubler. But this, this story doesn't just say, and Achan committed this sin. It says it this way. It says, Achan, whose father was Carmi, whose father was Zabdi, whose father was Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. It doesn't just say Achan. It lists all the others all the way back to his great-great-grandfather. Why? I believe, I believe this with all of my heart, that Achan, his life was supposed to tell the story of God's redemption. 
say, how is that possible? Well, let me just walk you through the family names. First, Judah, his name means praise. By the way, let me prove to you that all of you are Bible scholars without knowing it. Did you, do you know the tribe from which Jesus comes? He is the lion of the tribe of? You guys are so smart. Listen to me. You know what that means, right? Achan and Jesus are related. Achan and Jesus are related in the generations. Now, Judah's name means praise. He gives birth to a son named Zerah, which means this. Rises. The dawn. It means to break forth. It means literally rises. And then Zerah gives birth to a son named Zabdi. And it means this, a gift of God or gives. His name means gives in the action form. That's what it means, the root. It means gives. And then Zabdi gives birth to Carmi. And Carmi means what? Fruitfulness. Oh, no. And then Carmi names his son Achan. Seems so out of place. Every other name, it's telling this wonderful story. And then trouble. Unless God was trying to tell the story of redemption through the generations. You want to understand why God desires to be first in your life? It's so that your life will tell the redemption story. Here's what it means. When you put God first, praise rises and releases fruitfulness from your life in the midst of your troubles. That's what this says. Praise rises, breaks forth, and releases generously fruitfulness from your life in the midst of trouble. And yet, Achan said, no, no, no. All of that history. I'm going to put that to the side. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let God tell my story of redemption. I'm going to supply my own redemption. And I believe, because God wanted to tell that story of redemption, and because Jesus is from the same family, that that, that is why The judgment was so harsh and exact because it was in this moment God was saying, I'm offering you grace in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of what's pulling on your your heart. I'm offering you grace. And if you will let praise rise from putting God first and you will live generously before the Lord, he said, fruitfulness will abound even in your trouble. That's what these names declare, and I'm here to tell you, men and women of God, God wants to give you more than a name. He doesn't want just your last name being passed on to your children and grandchildren. He wants a story of praise. He wants a story of God's grace rising through the, through the generations so that fruitfulness is declared no matter what we face. Let me just put it very simply at the very end here. I'm going to give you one final reason why we put him first. Because he put us first. I don't know that we need more reasons about the things that he 
could do for us. Those are obvious. But God never calls us to do something he has never done for us in advance. God put us first. You see, in the book of Revelation, in a time that is described where many people are going after the the false prophet and the beast, and that influence is rising on the earth. Listen to the description that is given about, uh, about the book of life. It says this, And all who dwell on the earth, whose, whose names, uh, it says, And all the, uh, who dwell on the earth will worship him. That's the beast. Whose names have not been written in the book of, of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. When was he slain? From the foundation of the world. That means before mankind took a breath, redemption's plan was in place. He put us first. He put you first. God put you first. And listen to these powerful words from Philippians 2. What did it look like? Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not did not consider it robbery or, or something to be grasped, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is saying he deserves to be first because he put us first through the cross. He put us first. And let me summarize this from a a shirt that we used to wear as a church from a couple of years ago. 1 John 4, 19. We love him. Because he first loved us. Men of God. It's time we put God first. Women of God. Families. Young people in this place. It's time we put God first. He says, when you put me first, you'll fulfill the call. And he goes, I'll give you something more than a name. Your life will tell to the region the story of my redemption.